temple to God and giving uh, King Hezekiah has an example of a faithful man. And uh, he can be an example to us in terms of us being faithful to God and us walking in the blessings of God because of the faithfulness that we show God. So the Bible says here, now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, the son of Eli, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, uh, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty-five, twenty and five years old was he when he began to reign. And he reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abiah and the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. I want to focus on that for a minute. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. He lived a life of obedience unto God. And obedience, when you obey God, the blessings of God follow. Amen? So we have to always remember, if we want God to be faithful to us, we must be faithful to him. Amen? He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David, his father, did. So he studied David, King David's life, and it gave him a blueprint on how to be blessed in a covenant way. Amen. The Bible says he removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense in it. And he called the name of it. Uh, I can't pronounce that. But, but I don't know. The, 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 the thing about that is that it was, it was something that God had used at a time. And Israel had turned it into an idol. And he was obedient. And I'm sure there was a lot of peer pressure. How many of y'all know about peer pressure? There's a lot of peer pressure for him to keep using that same uh, instrument. But he refused to do that. He was faithful to God in following the way that David worshipped God. David was one of the few kings of Israel who did never, ever get into idol worship. He stayed faithful to God. And so Hezekiah did the same thing. The Bible says in verse 5, he trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. So God elevated him and blessed him because of his faithfulness. And the Bible says in verse 6, I want to focus on that. For he claved to the Lord. I like that. He, he claved to the Lord. I think Moses told Israel, always cling to God. Joshua told Israel the same thing. Cling to God. And that's what we want to do in this hour that we're living. We want to we cling to God in the midst of uh, everything that's going on in the world. We are those who cling to God no matter what. We keep our eyes on the covenant. We keep our eyes on the word of God no matter what's going on in the world. We, ma- we maintain our integrity. Amen. And our worship to our God in the face of idolatry. This is an idolatrous time we're living in. And God wants us to to cling to him during these times. The Bible says, "He He clave unto the Lord and departed not from following him. 
but kept his commandments which the Lord, which the Lord commanded Moses. And verse 7 said, And the Lord was with him and prospered, and he prospered whithersoever he went forth. And he rebelled against the king of Assyria. That's the type of the devil. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and served him not. We're not going, how many of y'all know, we're not going to bow our knee to the devil. We're not going to bow our knee to this age. We're going to keep our eyes focused on the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We're going to remain faithful to our God. And our God is going to be faithful to us. Amen. So as we go forward, let's, let's keep that in mind. The Lord just put that on my heart. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. Amen. And we're going to be those people. Amen. So we're going to start our lesson tonight, continue our lesson on the power of words. We started that last week, and I want to continue along those lines tonight. But let's begin with a word of prayer. Mighty Holy Spirit, we ask that you would guide and lead us doing this Bible study. Begin to speak to me that I might speak to your people. Cause your word to come forth in power and burden removing yoke destroying power. Glorify Jesus Christ as you reveal our master through the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Like I said, we talked about the power of words last week, and we, we touched on a lot of different aspects of that teaching. And tonight I want to continue along those lines, but I want to begin in Psalms 25. Psalms 25, verse 12, the power of words. The Bible says here in verse 12, what man is he that feareth the Lord? Or has reverence for God. That word fear, it means to have reverence for God. Respect for God. And the Bible says, him shall he teach, God shall teach in the way that he should choose. So God will teach us, and he's willing to teach us when we reverence him. When we show him that we respect his ways. Goes on here in verse 13 to say, his soul shall dwell at ease. I don't know about you, but I like that. I like my soul to be at ease. I can be going through a difficult time, but my soul can still be dwelling at ease. Somebody needs to hear that tonight. Your soul is dwelling at e in ease, even though your world may be turned upside down. Our God is able to cause us to have divine peace from his throne. His soul shall dwell at ease. And his seed shall inherit the earth. So it's the will of God that our children be blessed from generation to generation. God will teach us the things that we need to know in order for us to experience that. The Bible goes on here in verse uh, 14. The secret of the Lord is with them that reverence him or fear him. And he will show them. His covenant. He will show them his covenant. Those who reverence God, he'll begin to show us how to extract blessings from his covenant. 
how to uh, have an intimate relationship with him in a covenant way. God will begin to reveal to us his secrets in terms of uh, how to release the power of God. How many of y'all know we, God expects us to not only have the power of God in the mighty Holy Spirit within us, but he wants to teach us how to release that power. He wants to be glorified through the church, through his covenant people, but he'll teach us these things as we reverence him. And one of the ways that, uh, one of the things that he's, that he's teaching us during this series of teachings is how to release the power of the covenant through words of our mouth, through the words that's coming out of our mouth. You know, this is a reminding type of uh, teaching. God's taking us back to the fundamentals in terms of uh, us understanding the power of words, the power of the spoken words. We found out some things last week, or God reminded us of some things last week, that the power of life and death is in the tongue. Amen. The words that we speak really and truly do matter. And God wants us to discipline, during this season especially, he wants us to discipline our mouths. To only speak the word. Somebody said, well, that's kind of difficult to do. It's not difficult to do when we renew our minds. When we fill our hearts with the word of God, it's not difficult at all because what's in us will come out of us. Amen. When we begin to meditate on truth. And that's what God is wanting us to do during this season because the destiny that he has for each and every one of us is a wonderful destiny. It's a blessing. But we won't ever walk in those things and experience those things if we don't get our mouths lined up with the word and the will of God. So that's what God is wanting to do during this season, to discipline us to begin to speak the word only. No matter what we're going through, no matter what pressure is coming up against us, God says, I want my people to be disciplined in this area. Because he's raising us up, remember, to be new, sharp, threshing instruments with teeth. Amen. He's making us dangerous to the devil. Yes, he is. But he'll do it as we walk in line with his covenant. He'll do it as we begin to speak covenant words. He'll do it as we begin to speak words of faith and power. Amen. And not be, as Pastor Andrew was talking about uh, Sunday, not being double-minded. That really spoke to me. Not being double-minded. One day we're up, the next day we're down. One day we're talking faith, the next day we're talking about what the devil is doing. How many of y'all know the devil is a liar? Yeah, 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 yeah. God is truth and the devil is a liar. That's basic Christianity. We need to remind ourselves of that all the time. Everything that Satan says is a lie. Jesus called him the father of a lie. And he speaks to our mind so so that we can begin to speak out of our mouth his untruth. Let's go to Matthew chapter 12. I think we left off there last week. Matthew chapter 12. The power of words. And this is the head of the church talking right here in Matthew chapter 12, 
So we said we want to pay strict attention to what he says here in verse 36 is where I want to start. Jesus says, but I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. And we found out last week, we gave a definition to that phrase, and we said that every idle word is an unproductive word. It's a word that does not produce life. And that's what an idle word is. It's a word that does not produce the life of God. It does not produce the blessing of God, which is God's will for his people. So Jesus said, we're going to give an account of every idle or unproductive word that we speak in this lifetime. We're not going to be judged by it because we're, we've been born again. But it's, Jesus is going to, God's going to just remind us of some of those things that we could have experienced had we begun to speak the right words. So we're going to give an account of that on the day of judgment. Amen. He says here in verse 37, For by your words thou shalt be justified, and by your words you are going to be condemned. So words are important. The things that we say do matter. Now we're going to go to the book of Exodus, and we're going to... uh, Look at some things that Israel did when God was wanting to take them to another level and how they hindered God from doing that because of their unbelief and their unwillingness to flow with God in the way God wanted them to flow with him. Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So God says, I'm familiar with the affliction. I'm familiar with the uh, things that you're going through, the suffering that you're going through, Israel. And I know your sorrows. He says, not only am I familiar with them, but I want to do something about them. He says here in verse 8, For I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Now the Egyptians, of course, in the New Testament, they are a type of the devil. How many of y'all know God does not want his people living in bondage where the devil is concerned? He wants us to live freely because the curse has been broken. He says, I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land, out of the land. And I underline that out, I've come to bring them up out of the land or the, out of the land of the curse. OK, so God does not want his people experiencing any level of the curse. Because he said he makes it very clear here. I want to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Where where is he going to take them? He says unto a good land. I like that a good land. And large. This is God talking. Unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites 
and the Pharisees, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. So God's will for them, spoken out of his own mouth, was divine abundance. And he spoke that word over the whole nation of Israel. He wanted each and every one of them to experience the blessing of overflow. The land flowing with milk and honey. Now, let's go to the book of Numbers. Now, that's the word of God. That was his perfect will for them. The book of Numbers, chapter 13. How many of y'all know God can will a thing, but we have to get in agreement with God? Amen? Verse 26 of chapter 13 of Numbers. And they, that's talking about the spies. And they went and came to Moses. They went and spied the land that God had promised them. And to Aaron. And to all the congregation of the children of Israel. And to the wilderness of Paran and, and Kadesh. And brought back word unto them. And unto all the congregation. And showed them the fruit of the land. So these guys brought back the fruit of the land and they showed it to everybody. And they told him and said, we, we came into the land whither thou sentest us and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit thereof. This is the fruit of it. So they brought evidence that what God said about the land was true. But then... They begin to speak opposite or contrary to what God had spoken. Okay? Now this is, a, this is a, an example of how when we don't speak what God says, we limit God. And the things that he wants to bring into our lives. They said here in verse 28, nevertheless, <laughs> there we go. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled. So they're looking at at the circumstances. They're looking at the challenges. God never told us we wouldn't have challenges. God never told us that that it was going to be easy. Amen. But he did tell us that he has already given us the victory. He did tell us that every place that the sole of our foot has tread upon, that he's already given it to us if we'll walk by faith. Nevertheless, the people that dwell in the land and the cities of wall and very great, and moreover, we saw the children of Anak. Again, they're going by what they see, what they saw. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. And the, Hitt- and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. The Bible says, and Caleb, who was one of those spies, he stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it for we are well able to overcome it. So Caleb saw the land differently. He saw the challenges differently. He believed and kept his eyes focused on what God had initially said. He kept his eye on the promise and not the, the, the circumstances. 
Verse 31. But the men that went up with him said, notice they said this, we be not able to go against the people, for they are stronger than we are. And the Bible says in verse 32, and they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying the land which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it were men of a great stature. So everything that they're saying out of their mouth is opposite of what God had said they could do. Amen? They go on to say in verse 33, And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we in their sight. They're speaking opposite of God's word. They're speaking an idle word. And how many of y'all know God takes that personal? When we begin to say things that are opposite of the covenant promises, God takes it personally. Because what we're saying when we say things that are opposite of, what, of the promise, we're saying that God cannot bring us into that place that he's promised us to bring us. He promised to bring them into a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of blessing, and all they're speaking out of their mouth is the curse. Give you an example of how God feels about that. Let's go to uh, chapter 14. And verse 11. And the Lord said unto Moses, after he's heard all this rhetoric, how long will this people provoke me? <laughs> and how long will it be ere they believe me or they don't believe me? For all the signs which I have shown them, I will smite them with the pestilence. And disinherit them. He tells Moses, and I will make of you a greater nation and mightier than they. <laughs> so they've gotten God to the point where God is willing to kill all of them. Willing to start all over with Moses. And how many of y'all know God was able to do it? <laughs> he was able to do it. But uh, it was not his perfect will for them to do that. He wanted them to walk in the blessing. It, 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 one way you can really get on God's nerve is when you don't allow him to bless you. Yeah, and that's what was happening. They were limiting his ability to bless them even though he wanted to bless them. And they cut their own blessing off by the words that were coming out of their mouth. It would have been just as easy for them to say when they came out of, uh, back to the congregation, yeah, there are challenges there, but the Lord is on our side, just like Caleb did. Yeah, the doctor's report said this, but the Bible says by his stripes I'm healed. Yeah, my bank account is going sideways and it's jacked up, but my God shall meet all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. See, it's just as easy to speak the word as it is to speak doubt and unbelief. And so God, the Bible says, I will smite them with the pestilence. 
That's strong talk right there. And I'll disinherit them. The inheritance that I had for them, I'll disinherit. I'll take it away. Simply because they don't believe me. Simply because they, they're doubting my ability to bring them into the overflow. And that's what God wants to do with us. If we will get our mouth in line with the covenant. If we will speak the word only, God is willing, more than willing, hallelujah, to bring his people into another level of blessing, another level of living. To experience the Zoe life of God, which is his will. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have life more abundant, the abundant life. Not just when you get to heaven, but right here on earth. How many of y'all know there are no enemies in heaven? It's easy to walk in blessings up there. The challenge is walking in blessings down here. But we can do it if we will walk by faith and not by sight. But God, what got them in trouble was the things that they were looking at while they were over there. They were looking at the giants. They were looking at the walls that were very great. And it caused them to be intimidated because they got their eyes off of God and got their eyes on themselves. I mean, I know God is not expecting us to, to, to bring the mountain down or bring the walls down. He's asking us to trust him to do it. Amen. Let's look at verse 23 of that same chapter. God's still talking. Moses has talked him out of killing them. Because he's, he's about ready to kill all of them. But Moses taught God out of doing that. Moses is a good pastor, isn't he? <laughs> it says here in verse 23, Surely they shall not see the land which I swore unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. So when they spoke opposite of the covenant, when they spoke opposite of the word, they provoked God to uh, place them in a position of inferiority. They were not inferior because they were walking with a powerful God. But now, because they refused to allow God to bless them, they were walking beneath their godly privileges, beneath the, the covenant blessing. It provoked God to, uh, to cause them to be people that were just natural people. How many of y'all know God is not looking for us to be natural people? We are supernatural children of God. We're different. We're new creatures in Christ Jesus. And God wants us to view ourselves from his perspective always. He says, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and had followed me fully, him will I bring into the land wherein he went and his seed shall possess it. So God says, Caleb had another spirit. He spoke words of faith. He spoke words of uh, the covenant. And God viewed him differently simply because he spoke differently. And God was willing to promote him simply because he was willing to say what God said in the pressure of life, in the difficulties of life. He wouldn't go with the flow of the world. He didn't care if everybody else thought he was crazy for believing this covenant. 
He believed God no matter what. And that's where God wants to position us. He wants to get us to the point where we believe the word no matter what's going on in the world. No matter what's going on in our life. Our life may be, uh, it may be con- looking contrary, but we are those people who have grabbed hold to the truth and we refuse to let go. We are those people who refuse to be refused. That's where God wants us. But we won't get there unless we maintain our testimony in the face of contradictory circumstances. Let's go to Psalm 78. Psalm 78. And this is going to kind of illustrate everything that we just talked about because they wrote it, they, they recorded it in Psalms about what Israel did. Verse 40. How often did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? So idle words grieve God. Words that are opposite of the covenant, they bring grief to the heart of the Almighty God. Yea, they turned back and tempted him, or tempted God, and I like this, they limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited the one who created the universe. They limit the one who created the galaxy. They limited an unlimited God by the words that came out of their mouth. With negative words. That's how powerful words are. So we need to get to the point now, and this is what God wants us to do going forward, going to that place of destiny, going to that place of blessing, going to that place that he's promised you in your heart. He wants us to now begin to really and truly pay attention to everything that comes out of our mouth. No matter how uh, small we think it is, it's a big thing to God. And it's a big thing in the spirit realm. Okay? Jesus said, the words that I speak are spirit, and they produce life. Okay? And, and see, the same holds true with us because we have the same Holy Ghost Jesus had. When we line our mouth up with the word of God, we have the potential to speak life, to speak Zoe life into the world or into our various circumstances. Or we can speak negatively and go in the flow of the death cycle. So in this season, God is saying, pay strict attention, particularly when you're under stressful times, to speak the word because your turnaround or your breakthrough is riding on it. Some of us are are, are looking for that breakthrough. We've been looking for that breakthrough for a long time. And God is saying, your breakthrough will be found in your confession. What are you saying when nobody else is around? Amen. So they limited God with their words. Let's go to Psalms 45. Verse 1, my heart 
is editing a good matter. I speak of the things which I have made has touched the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. If I have been speaking negatively, I can turn, I can immediately reverse course and begin to speak life into my destiny. My tongue may have in the past been a negative tongue, but I can, as an act of my will, begin to speak the word of God out of my mouth. And immediately when I begin to do that, I begin to change the course of my destiny. It's not too late. That sickness that you have been talking about negatively in terms of, you know, uh, doesn't look like it's going to ever turn around. No, you can turn that thing around today as you begin to speak what God says about that. Your children that is acting wild and not walking in the will of God, that thing can turn around the moment you begin to speak the word of God over your children. These, these are things we already know, but, do, but we have to start doing them. This is what God is saying. We have to start actually acting on these things. Not just hearing them preached, but begin to actually speak these things because the Bible says your tongue is, the, is, the, is, a, is a pen, like a pen of a ready writer. You can write your own destiny simply by speaking the covenant. It's that simple. Why? Because you reverence God. We are those who reverence God. We are those who respect God. We are those who respect the covenant. We are those who put the word first. And because of that, God is teaching us how to release the blessing in our life by simply changing the things that's coming out of our mouth. By simply beginning to speak the word of God only. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 1. This is an example of how God views the testimony of his servants and how important it is for us to speak what God says about us in terms of our destiny. And, 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 and you've got to know that each and every one of us, God have a good plan for your life. He have a supernatural plan for your life. When you, read, when you read the Bible and you hear about these characters in the Bible, you are no different than they are. God can use you just as much as he used them. The only difference with them, those who were successful, they simply held on to the word of God, trusted the word of God, and spoke the word of God. That's the only difference. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came unto me. So the Bible said the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah. That's important. We need to find a covenant word to speak. We need to search the scriptures and begin to find a covenant word that we can speak 
over our lives, over these various situations in our life. Like Pastor was saying Sunday, get you a scripture and keep it before your eyes day and night. When you wake up in the morning, look at it. When you go to the refrigerator, look at it. So that you can begin to see yourself possessing that thing. You can begin to speak out of your mouth what the promise is. And the more you speak it, the more you see yourself experiencing it. Hallelujah. That's how these things work. So the word of the Lord came to him, and this is what, it's, what God said. Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified you and ordained you a prophet unto the nations. So that was God's will for Jeremiah that he would be a prophet unto the nations, that God had a plan for his life even before he was in his mother's womb. Same holds true with you. He has a plan for you, a specific thing that he wants you to accomplish in your generation. But you and I must understand that God is serious about it. He tells Jeremiah, then Jeremiah says, then said I. Now Jeremiah is about to make a mistake, a critical mistake here. He says, then said I, oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. How many of y'all know that's a negative word? God then told him that I've ordained you as a prophet. He tells God what he can't do, what he's incapable of doing. He says, I'm a child, I can't speak. In the natural, that's true. He is a child. But notice what God says to him in the next verse. He says, but the Lord said unto me, say not, I'm a child. He said, don't say that. Say what I say about you. Don't say that you can't do a thing. Say what I say that you can do. Let the weak say, I'm strong. See? It's as simple as that. Begin to say what God says. Line ourselves up with the will of God. And God will, will, will cause those words to become real in our lives. He says, but the Lord said unto me, say not that I'm a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command you, thou shalt speak. So we need to find a covenant word that promises us the blessing. Let's look at verse 8. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I put my words in your mouth. Hallelujah. So he did that for Jeremiah. He placed his words in his mouth. That was old covenant. We are living in a new covenant established on better promises. Not only has, has God given us his word, he's given us his mighty Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. We're filled with the Spirit of God. We're filled with the power of God, and we have the power of God, the ability through the Holy Spirit, through faith in Christ, to speak the word of God out of our mouth and cause things to change in the natural realm. That's the power we have before God, at the throne of God. That, those are the things that have been delivered to us through our faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. So he says, I put my words in your mouth. I want to go there. 
Well, let's go to Psalms 19. So we got to learn to speak the word. Don't say what's going on in the natural. God, God knows what's going on in the natural. But he doesn't want us to begin to, to parrot it. He doesn't want us to begin to speak that. He wants us to speak what he has said, what he has spoken over our lives. David says here, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. So David knew the importance of a disciplined mind and a disciplined mouth. He says, let the words that come come out of my mouth, so David knew the importance of it. And the meditation of my heart, I got to keep my eyes on the covenant. That's what David did. He kept his eyes on the covenant, and it caused him to become a giant killer. It caused him to be promoted from a shepherd boy to the greatest king outside of Jesus of the nation of Israel. Amen. But he knew that it was the words of his mouth that was the key to it, that the words of my mouth. Now, Jesus perfected and mastered the obedience of speaking the word. Let's go to John chapter 12. He mastered it. And we're going to see an example of that. Verse 49. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment what I should say and what I should speak. Glory to God. So he said, God told him, his Father told him before he came to the earth to only speak the word. He gave me a commandment, the things I should say and the things I could speak. Jesus could have said a whole lot of things in his earthly ministry or in his earthly life. But he chose on purpose to speak only what God put in his mouth or put in his heart. He says here in verse 50, And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. He says, I know that the words that are coming out of my mouth have to only be life. They they can only produce life. I refuse to speak death. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. So he mastered it. He only spoke the word of God. Let's go. I got a couple of more minutes. Let's go to John chapter 3. Now, this is John the Baptist talking here, and he's talking about Jesus. Now, John the Baptist was uh, Jesus' cousin. I think he was a few months older than Jesus. And so he uh, probably grew up around him. And uh, he had watched his life, and he had understood some things about him. And I'm sure one of the things that stood out to John the Baptist was that Jesus only spoke the word of God. 
He noticed that. So he, the Bible says here in verse uh, 31, He that cometh from above is above all, and he that is of the earth is earthly, and speaketh of the earth. And he that cometh from heaven is above all. And he's talking about Jesus. And what he had seen and heard, that he testified. And no man receives his testimony. He that had received his testimony had set to, to his seal, had set to his seal, his seal that God is true. And this is what I want you to see here. For he whom God has sent speaketh the words of God. <laughs> so he says, I noticed something about Jesus. All he speaks is the word of God. And because he has disciplined his mouth to speak the word of God, for God, had give, God has now given to him the spirit, not by, by, given up, not by the spirit to him by measure. In other words, he's given it to Jesus because he can trust Jesus the fullness of the Holy Ghost, the full power and reign of the Holy Ghost on the earth. He says God does not measure it out to him, but he has given him the fullness of the, of, of the power of the throne. For the Father loveth the Son and has given all things into his hand. So you see how important it is for, for Jesus. He had to speak the word of God so that he could have the fullness of God operating in his life. Jesus understood that. Without that, he was not going to experience the fullness of his destiny. He understood that he had to speak the word only. Okay? And John, John uh, noticed that. John the Baptist noticed that. Let's go to chapter 6, and I'll close there. And this is the Lord talking here. He says, it is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profited nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. They are spirit words and they produce only life. He refused to speak death. He refused to speak anything contrary to the perfect will of God. Therefore, God used him in the way that he used him. Now, the same Holy Spirit that Jesus Christ operated in in his earthly ministry is the same Holy Spirit that we have dwelling on the inside of us. We, we got to remember that. We got to realize that, that we have tremendous potential in the sight of God if we will begin to discipline the words that's coming out of our mouth. If we begin to speak the word, speak faith words, and, and reject anything else, it's possible. I believe it's possible. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Lord. Father, we come to your throne tonight, and we have heard your word. We bow down to you this evening at the foot of your throne. We recognize your mighty deity. 
the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we will to f- fulfill all the destiny that you have for each and every one of us. We pray, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, that the mighty Holy Spirit will enable us as we yield to him to speak words of faith, to speak words of power, to speak words of life, to connect with you only by words that produce Glory to your name. So I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that everyone under the sound of my voice, everyone in this auditorium and those who are listening by way of the Internet, I pray, Lord God, that you will give us grace to speak your word under the various circumstances of our lives. Those of us who are battling sickness and disease, Those of us who are battling financial trouble. Those who are battling family situations. Those who are experiencing any level of the curse in their life. We pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that our hearts would be filled with your truth. And we would begin to speak to those mountains in our life. Jesus told us, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he said shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. We are those people tonight, Father. We believe you. We trust you, Lord. We're willing to step out in this area of speaking your word, and we will receive all of the benefits of it, and you'll be glorified in it. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen.